us. I just want to encourage you today. God has encouraged me during the worship time. It's just so real to me. When we were singing that song, who is worthy to open the scroll? The reality of what Jesus did. And because of what he did, God's plan is unfolding in the earth. And it made me think of Isaiah uh, 40, I believe it is, where it says, uh, verse 21, Have you not known, have you not heard, has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. He is exalted. Its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. He brings the princes to nothing. He makes the judges of the earth useless. Scarcely shall they be planted. Scarcely shall they be sown. Scarcely shall their stock take root in the earth when he will also blow on them and they will wither and the whirlwind will take them away like stubble. To whom then will you liken me or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created all these things, who brings out their host by number. He calls them all name by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one is missing. Why do you say, I want to make this personal. Why do we say, my way is hidden from the Lord. My just claim is passed over by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Praise the Lord. And Lord, I thank you this morning that you are risen and you are at the right hand of God the Father. And Lord, because you rose, we have a living hope. We have a God who is alive. We have a God who is in control we who have a God who is intricately involved in our lives, who knows us, and who is working out all things according to His purpose and His will. And Lord, I pray as we look at Your Word this morning, You would increase our faith by the hearing of the Word of God. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray You will open up blind eyes and blind hearts that don't see yet. Give them eyes of faith this morning, Lord. Open hearts that they might know you. Open our, heart, our hearts that we might know you better. So Lord, I trust you to do what only you can do in all of our hearts this morning. I just want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for opening up my understanding 
so that I can know you. You truly are my living hope. And I thank you today for that. In Jesus' name, amen. What a word for the days we're living in. Isaiah 40. God is in control. We can read the news. We can see the wars and the different things going on in the world, just in our own personal lives, things that are going on. And we can take comfort and know that God is alive. He is in control. And he knows everything you are dealing with. He knows everything you need. And he takes care of each and every one of his children. He's a faithful God. If that wasn't true, um, we would have no hope. And and I'm just going to read 1 Corinthians 15, describing why we can have hope. I'll start here in verse 14. If Christ is not risen, then everything I'm telling you this morning means absolutely nothing. It's basically what Paul is saying. My preaching's empty. Your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up. In fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith, my faith, it's futile. There's nothing to it. We're still in our sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ, they've perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. But now Christ is risen from the dead. That's what we're celebrating today. He is risen from the dead. And has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, By man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam, all die. But in Christ, all shall be made alive. Praise the Lord. So today really is a special day. I mean, every day, if you think about it, he's alive. We can remind ourselves of that every day. But today's a special day. We're recognizing it. Jesus is alive. He really did raise from the dead. Praise the Lord. And it's probably the most significant thing that has ever happened in history. The life that Jesus lived on this earth, the Son of God, the crucifixion and the resurrection. It's the most important thing that has ever happened in history. And I'm thankful for the living hope that God has provided for each and every one of us. Because he's alive. So, because he's alive, guess what? I'm alive. And I don't say that just like I'm breathing, you know, physically. No, I'm alive inside. His spirit dwells in me. He's given me eternal life. It's happening right now. It's happening in you. He's working out his eternal plan in your life if you put your faith in him. We're alive. We're not dead anymore in trespasses. Praise the Lord. So thankful. We've been translated from death to life. So because of that, I want to encourage you this morning. Do what Colossians 3 says. 
If this is true, if we really believe this, do what Colossians 3 says. If you were raised with Christ, if you have truly been born from above, seek those things which are above. Where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not the things of the earth. There's no hope there. For you died. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with Him in glory. Praise the Lord. If I really believe this, it changes everything about how I live my life in this world. And for the believer, it should change our outlook, our decisions, what we hope in, what drives us in life. This reality that Jesus is alive, that I have a living hope, should change the way I live my life in this world. Again, think about everything that's going on right now in the world. How many people are anxious, worried, in fear? But yet, if we set our minds on the things above, we realize God has made a way to get us to rise above those things. And I want to encourage you this morning. I want to help you. God wants to help you get your sights on the things that really matter. And we're going to continue on the Sermon on the Mount. I really was like, okay, it's Easter. I need to do something different. But interestingly, it perfectly lines up with what we're talking about, the section I want to look at. We're going to be looking at Matthew 6, verses 19 through 34. And again, Jesus is reminding us of something. He's reminding us of how, as God's children, we need to view our lives in this world. How we need to see, how we need to live, because we've been born from above. The great secret, according to Jesus, is to see ourselves as children of our Father in heaven. And the whole chapter 6 is reiterating that in different ways. We are children of our Heavenly Father. And Jesus is driving the point home in many different ways. And he does it in these verses by showing us our life in this world in relation to our Heavenly Father, who is involved in everything, the affairs, the things we worry about, its cares, its trials, and how we're to live because he's alive, because he's given us a living hope. And that's what I I guess I'll call our message today, our living hope. Why it's so important to remind ourselves of that. And that's really what Jesus is doing here. So I'm going to start here in verse 19. And Jesus here is showing us how to stay focused on our living hope. So he says in a negative, if you're to do that, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. In the positive, but lay up for yourselves treasures that are in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves don't break in and steal. And treasures can be anything, really, when you think about it. It's not just money 
or possessions. It could be a person. It could be a husband. Whatever it is we're hoping in, whatever it is we're putting our trust, whatever it is we're thinking we're going to find enjoyment in, that is our treasure. And Jesus is dealing here with people who get their main or even total satisfaction from the things of this life. He's saying, don't do that because this life is fleeting. Things are going to wither. They're going to die. Moths will eat them. They'll rust. I always remind myself of that when I'm looking at my things, that one day this thing is going to wind up in the junkyard. It's rusting. It's decaying. It's temporary. Listen to what Proverbs 14.14 says. It says, The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. Satisfied from above. That's what it means to set our minds and our hearts on our living hope. So Jesus says, Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Look to your heavenly reward. That's what the heroes of faith did. In Hebrews, they looked to the reward. They understood. I'm just a pilgrim in this life. I'm just passing through. They saw something off in the distance. A reward that wouldn't decay. A reward that moths wouldn't eat. They saw their heavenly home, their heavenly destiny, and they lived in a way that spoke of their faith. That's why we we look at them, right, as the heroes of faith. And really, that's what faith is, isn't it? That's what Hebrews 11.1 tells us. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's how the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, just like we heard in Isaiah 40. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. I used to explain this in this way. This lectern is solid. I can lean on it. It's got substance. So it's easier for me to say this is real then that breath that just came out of my mouth that I can't see. But yet I know it's real because if that breath wasn't there, I wouldn't be standing here. I can't see it, but if you think about it, (laughs) that's more of a reality than this is because without it, I would die. And when it talks about God speaking this world into existence, well, where did he speak that from? from that invisible realm we can't see. And he says about this realm that he created, that it's fleeting. So the things we touch, we feel, we experience every day in life really are the shadow because they were created from another place, a place we don't see yet with our natural eye, but it's actually more real because it was here before this was. And when this is gone, it will continue forever and ever and ever and ever. We don't see that way a lot of times. We say, no, this is real. This is reality. This is what I got to live for. 
what we don't realize is this is just a speck in eternity. And we're going to see later why it's so, so important how we see. So set your mind on your living hope. Because that's going to last forever. Faith, without faith, it says in verse 6, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. That's what the resurrection says today. He is. He is God. He is real. He really did come to this earth. He really did raise from the dead. That was the exclamation point. I was God. I am God. And it was God crying out from the cross to all humanity to come to him. So whatever you have in this life, use it for the glory to come. Live, labor for that kingdom. Jesus said in John 6, 27, don't labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life which the Son of Man will give you. Because God the Father has set his seal on him. In other words, he is our true treasure. He is what we should be seeking in this life. It really comes back to the question of how do I view myself and my life in this world? Because verse 21 says, because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. He goes on in verse 22, speaking about how we see. He says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body would be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness. So the picture here of the eye is really just Jesus' way of describing how we view life. What lens are we looking at our life through? And there's only two ways to view it. A good eye sees things a certain way. A bad eye sees things another way. It really comes down to where we're placing our hopes. What am I really living for? What are my sights set on, the temporal or the eternal? Because we need to choose. We can't be a double-minded person. Jesus says in verse 24, we can't serve two masses. We'll either hate the one or love the other, or else we'll be loyal to the one or despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Notice the word serve. You know what that means? We're all serving something. Whether we believe that or not, we're serving something. It goes back to the good eye and the bad eye. Jesus says, if that light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? That reminds me of me. I read that and all I can think about is my life before Christ. Before I really gave my life to Christ. I professed to be a Christian. I had some light. But I was still looking through the wrong lens. I had two masters. 
I was trying to have everything the world had for me. And, of course, I want God because I don't want to go to hell. So I got to include him in my life. But really, in my heart, and my wife will tell you, I was living for this world. Everything I did revolved around my view of my life in this world and what I wanted to get out of it. And that was the verse Jesus used to help me to see where my treasure was. And he said, Jeff, you can't have two masters. You have to decide what you want. And the, the warning here really is when he says, how great is that darkness? This is why I'm so thankful. What's it like? Let's say you're in church. Let's say you've heard the gospel. Let's say you say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But really in your heart, you live your life in this world. And in the end, you realize you forfeited your soul, and it's too late. I lived my whole life for the world, and now I get the fruit of that, which is eternal separation from God forever. That's the gnawing worm that will never die. It's frightening. You know, that was me. That's why it's real to me when I worship, when... I think about the mercy God has had in my life. I just want to weep. I just want to fall at his feet and say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And that's why I love him. That's why my life is totally his. Because he loved me enough to come after me, pursue me, to help me. Like Josh said, even when I was rebelling, even when I wanted what I wanted, he was still there trying to get my attention because he sees differently. He understands better than we do what's really important, what reality really is, and it's our eternity. And he died. He rose from the dead. The message today is God is alive. He's made a way. He's given us a living hope. We don't have to fear death. We don't have to worry about what's going on in this world. We have a living hope. He saved our souls. And one day we're going to see the whole culmination of that. And this light affliction is going to mean nothing compared to the glory that will be revealed. I want to run around and dance when I say that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We need to remind ourselves of that. You need to remind yourself of that. Where your true home is. Your living hope. So Jesus says, therefore, don't worry about your life. What you'll eat, what you'll drink about your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than them? If God has given you a little hope, a living hope, your Heavenly Father doesn't want you to be anxious. doesn't want you to worry when you read the headlines and there's going to be shortages. 
You better store up food. You better prepare. You might get sick. You might die. Fear is ruling today. Why? People are afraid to die. They don't understand there's a living hope. We're all going to die one day. (laughs) But we have a living hope. Just as Jesus rose from the dead, I'm going to rise from the dead. And then my life's really going to begin. You're going to rise from the dead. And then your life's, you think you're living now? This ain't living. You're going to understand in glory what true living is. When you're in his presence forever. And you realize what you were made for, for him. I mean, I know there's mansions and all that. I don't fully understand all that. But he's there. That's heaven. He's there. Look at the birds when you worry. You know, they're just creatures and God feeds them. He's not their father. You understand in a general sense, he's created, he's created all things. But only those who have put their faith in Christ can say, he's my father. The birds can't say that. They're just his creatures. Yet he still takes care of them. How much more you? His child. Right? Patrick's not here, but, you know, he's got a lot of animals at home. He takes care of his animals. How much more his kids? How much more your heavenly father? Why do we worry? God is our father. Jesus says in verse 27, which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? That doesn't mean you'll be taller. It's talking about your lifespan. I'm not saying we shouldn't take care of ourselves. We shouldn't use wisdom and how we eat and things we do and all that. But trust me, no matter what you do, you cannot control how long you live. That is in God's hands. Just think about someone gets the same disease. They get the same treatments. One dies, one doesn't. What's up with that? God decides. I turned 58 on Friday. My father died of a massive heart attack when he was 59. So there's always this little voice in my head. It's coming. (laughs) Remember your father. And God says, Jeff, I have your days numbered. But the devil likes to play with us and put fear. But really, when you think about it, so what? I'll be with Jesus. I really just worry about my wife. That's the only thing I think of. What do Rose do? But other than that, okay, Lord, I'm ready. That should be our attitude if we understand, really, the reality of our living hope, right? Right? So, you know, we can't extend our lives. 
think about all the ads, everything. It's all about trying to live longer. Take this, do that, wear this. <laughs> You'll live longer. No, your hands, your life is in God's hands. He determines. Life is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. He starts it. He determines its end. He sustains it. And we are in his hands. There should be a, never be a day in our lives where we're not thanking God that we have breath. Really. So... He says again in verse 28, So don't worry about your clothing. Another illustration he uses, Look at the lilies of the field. Look how they grow. They don't toil. They don't spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all of his glory was arrayed like one of those, these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you of little faith? Have you forgotten who your father is? The trouble with the person of little faith is that instead of taking his thoughts captive and instead of meditating and believing what God says, he lets everything around him determine how he responds. To the situation, whatever it might be. Really, the things seen, they allow everything they see to determine their inner reality instead of the unseen and the promises of our Heavenly Father. I felt like I had a little test this morning. It's always interesting to me when I preach on something, God will allow me to go through it to help me understand it better, just to make it a little more real. And he did it right before church. I felt like running out of here, like I was going to have a panic attack. It just came out of nowhere. I, I told Rose, I said, I don't know what is wrong with me. Just anxious, just all of a sudden, just feeling overwhelmed. And then the minute we started worship, we sang that song, the, the Lamb of God, worthy to open the scroll. It was like, just... All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just brought in that whole reality of God is sovereign and in control. and Everything is happening according to His will. And it just went. Aren't you glad He lets me go through things so then I could better convey that to you? But it's what we all go through. That's because it's common to man. Just because I'm your pastor doesn't mean I don't deal with those things. So I know you deal with them. I know you have those nights where you're rolling and tossing and going around the same thing, that person or that circumstance, and you're just going over it and over it and over it. Oh, I can't sleep. Instead of, have you forgotten? Have you not heard? <laughs> the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. <laughs> we got to remind ourselves of these things. We've got to remember the changeless promises of God. Think of his love. Think of his concern for us. Think about his power. Right? He prays that they would know his love. He prays that they would know the exceeding greatness of his power. 
that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can even think or imagine. That's the God we serve. That's who our Heavenly Father is. I'm not alone. God is with me. He sees me. His promises are to me. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I can rest in that blessed assurance no matter what's going on in my life. So Jesus repeats it again. Why does he keep repeating this over and over? Because he knows what we're like. Therefore, don't worry. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? After all these things the Gentiles seek, your Heavenly Father knows that you need these things. Don't think like the unsaved. Don't think like people who don't know they have a Heavenly Father, who don't live in the reality of their living hope. Don't think that way. What are we going to do? Does this mean I don't do anything? I just sit back and say, okay, well, I'm not, now I'm going to be really spiritual? Because, you know, that's our thing. We either get hyper-spiritual or we forsake God totally and we try to do everything on our own. So think about the birds. Go back to the birds. They fly around. They hunt worms. They dig for them. They get berries off trees. They scurry about looking for food. But God provides it. We had a tree in front of our house. And it only did it, it didn't do it every year, but in the winter, some years, it would have all these red berries on it. And we'd have like a nasty ice storm or something. And you'd think, how are these animals, these little birdies, surviving out there and then you look outside and the tree is full of them and it's God saying see I take care of them you think I've forsaken them but look see see the tree I made for them I haven't forsaken you either what about the farmer does he just look at his field and say Lord I just pray for a nice corn harvest and this and that and just sit back on his easy chair and wait for it to happen? No, he plows, he plants, he weeds, but God gives the rain and the sun. God gives the increase. We went over to Meadowview Monday. We had to plant that garden and it was hard, wasn't it, guys? It took me three days to recover from that. It's just a reminder I'm getting closer to him. <laughs> it's like, why am I so tired? Because I'm 58. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Paul said, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. So it doesn't mean we just sit back on our hands, but we, we understand who our Father is, that he's not going to forsake us and that he's going to provide for us. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. 
Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You read that and verse 34 almost seems like out of place. Right? It's like what he's like tacked it on again at the end. Why did he do that? Because he knows what we're like. He knows how we worry. So today as we remember him who rose from the dead, let us who are his think on these things. Remind yourself of your living hope. And and 1 Peter 1 describes it in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us, his children, to a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He's alive. To an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled. It won't, moths won't eat it. Thieves won't steal. That does not fade away. Reserved in heaven for you. Who are kept by the power of God. He's with you. He's given you His Holy Spirit. He's given you life to where the Spirit in you cries out, Abba, Father. The Spirit bears witness to that truth. That's how you know he's alive. Through faith. For salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. Hallelujah. Though now, for a little while, in your life in this world, you'll be grieved by grievous, various trials. Thank you. It's a great day for coffee says on the phone. (laughs) All right. I had my cup already. See, that's that's, um, man's way of trying to get energy, but there's nothing like the energy of life of the Holy Spirit. We had a sunrise service this morning, and I had to get up earlier than usual, and I was just sitting at the office over there before our service saying, Lord, I'm tired. Life's me. I was tempted to get coffee, but too much coffee for me isn't good. And God lifed me. I feel His life pulsating in me. It's awesome. We don't need coffee for that. <laughs> See, there's reason for everything. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if need be, you be grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, looking at the things that are not seen. Remember that. The genuineness of your faith. Being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found a praise, honor, glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Whom you don't see, you love, though now you do not see him. Yet, believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible. That's how I feel right now. Full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Praise the Lord. Now, I have to say this to those who haven't truly believed 
and put their faith in Christ, these words have no comfort in them. There's no consolation in those words. Because God is our Heavenly Father only if we're truly Christian. These statements of Jesus, they're for God's children only. The Apostle Paul in Romans said, No man but a true believer can say, Abba, Father, because the Holy Spirit has produced that in his heart. God is Father only for those who are in Jesus Christ. In John 1, verse 12, it says, As many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. That's what it means to be born again of the Spirit, born from above. So the gospel divides people into two groups. Those who are Christian, truly Christian, those who are not. More than ever in the days we're living, we need the gospel. We need to be proclaiming the hope that God has provided us in the gospel because the world, even though they think they see their darkness is great, they don't understand where they're heading. Just like you and I were at one time in our life when we walked in darkness. Because the ways of a man seem right in his eyes, but in the end of it, it's death. That's the sad reality of the world and, and the world just, that is in rebellion against God and thinks it can solve its own problems. It's delusional. It's pride. The world is really under the wrath of God. It, it, ex, it can expect nothing in this world except misery, unhappiness, wars, rumors of wars. It will never know any true peace. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is all about hope for those in this world that are still in darkness. And as his children, like we heard in the early service, we need to be proclaiming that more than ever. And if there's anyone here today, your heart doesn't bear witness that you're a child of God. God is crying out to you this morning. God would say to you this morning that he has provided you with a living hope. Thank God he loved us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to restore our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Jesus reconciled us to God. He offered the only way back to the Father. He gave the ultimate price to redeem mankind, to be reconciled with God. And to have that happen, we need our sins forgiven. We need to trust in the sacrifice he provided for our sins. And we need to put our faith in him. And then we need to turn away from our lives in this world. We need to forsake our life 
and we need to unite our life with his. We need to turn over our life to his life. Jesus said in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Praise the Lord. You know, there's two things none of us can avoid. It's not death and taxes. It's death and judgment. It's death and judgment. Because Hebrews 9.27 says, It's appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. Hebrews 9.28 says, Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned. All of us fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. We've all rebelled against Him. And it tells us in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is death. Eternal death. Separation from God for all eternity. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what today's about. God came to offer life, real life, a living hope. And Jesus rose from the dead, and that was the exclamation point on the whole thing. That's the reason for our hope. In Romans 5, 8, it says, God demonstrates his own love towards us, towards you. That while we were yet sinners, as our brother was testifying, while we were rebelling, while we were pursuing our own things, his enemies, he died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if we were, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, those of you that know him, you need to take that when you're doubting, when you're worrying, and say, how much more now? If he did that when I was a rebel, how much more now? What am I worried about? Why am I doubting him when he died when I was his enemy? And for those of you that don't know, you need to know in spite of your sins, in spite of your rebellion, he died for you. And his hand is always extended to you. Come to me. I'm what you really need. I have provided something for you that this world cannot offer you. This world maybe can give you temporary satisfaction, temporary joys, temporary peace but it's not going to last and if you live for that you'll forfeit your soul for all of eternity God's offering you true hope a living hope that will not fade away he's offering you eternal life he's offering you a way to know him to be reconciled with your Father in heaven. Your Creator, the one who formed you, who saw you in your mother's womb, 
Just think about this. Jesus was God in the flesh. He was the owner, the Lord of everything. The almighty, the righteous one. In whom there is no sin. He gave his life for us. So we can be forgiven of our sins. More than that. He made himself sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He had all the power in the universe. He created all, yet he allowed his creation to raise their hand against him and to crucify him. And while on that cross, overwhelmed, agonizing in pain, struggling between the excruciating pain, the need to breathe. He gathered up all of his strength. He pulled up his body on the nails and he said, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And when he said it is finished, it means he did what he came to do. And when he rose on the third day, that was the exclamation point. He's alive. And because he's alive, you and I can have eternal life. If there's anyone here this morning, you're not sure, anyone listening, God is calling out to you today. It's very simple. You just need to acknowledge, that's me, I'm a rebel. I I have lived my life. My eyes are set on this life. They're not set. I don't even understand what that means fully. It's not real to me. But I know I'm a sinner. And I do believe that Jesus, you are the Son of God. And you died for my sins. And I want to repent today of not pursuing you, but pursuing the things I want, for being a rebel, for thinking I could find satisfaction in anything else but you, for living my life thinking I don't need you. And Lord, I want to repent today. I need your forgiveness. I need to be cleansed by the blood that you shed for me. And I want to, as best as I know how, I don't understand what that fully looks like, but I want to turn my life over to you. If there's anyone here, God is speaking to you right now. He's making something real to you. He's opening your eyes a little bit. There's something in you saying, I know this is true. You need to respond to him. You need to just get up out of your chair and come down to this altar and say, Jesus, I need you. I want want a living hope. I don't see it in this world. I want to know that I'm yours. I want to make it right with you. If there's anyone here, God is inviting you to come to him this morning. Anyone listening online, just get on your knees. Just say to God right now, God, I need you. God, help me to see what's really important. Help me to understand, Lord, my condition 
and my need for what you did for me. God, forgive me for being a rebel. God, forgive me for forsaking my creator, for thinking I could do life without you. God, forgive me. Cleanse me of my sins, Lord. I want to give my life to you. I want to know you. This is between you and the Lord. Just make it personal. Does anyone here this morning, please don't leave here if you don't know for sure you have a heavenly Father who loves you. You don't know for sure that you are a child of God. The reality of a living hope that you're truly saved and born again. There's something in you that cries out, Abba, Father, that bears witness that you're a child of God. If you don't know that, don't leave here today without putting your faith in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Lord, I thank you this morning for the living hope you've given to all of us, Lord. God, I pray for all of us that know we have a living hope, Lord, that we go out of here today with our heads up, looking up, setting our minds, setting our hearts on the things that really matter, reminding ourselves of the living hope that we have and sharing it with others. Now more than ever, Lord, let our lights shine. I pray we wouldn't hold back when we leave here this morning. I pray we'll tell everybody, Lord, what you did for us and the hope that they can also have in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I pray for any here, any at home, Lord, that inside they're turning to you in the only way they know how, Lord. I pray you would meet them. I pray you would work in their hearts. I pray you will continue drawing them, Lord. I pray you will open up their understanding to know your love. I pray, oh God, you would save them to the uttermost, Lord. And I thank you that you're alive. I thank you that your Holy Spirit has been sent into the world because you went back to the Father, Lord. And I pray the Holy Spirit will continue to pursue every heart this morning, God, until they bow the knee and they proclaim Jesus is Lord, as we sung this morning. So we thank you this morning, Lord. I thank you this morning. And I pray we would go out of this place with that reality in our hearts this morning. Rejoicing. Rejoicing because of the living hope you've given to all of us. In Jesus' name we pray.